0: Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. My name is Elle Stanger. Find me online, lstanger.com. We are going to talk about queering up sex today, and my guest is Dr. Chris Donahue. Hi.
1: Hey. So happy to be here.
0: Oh, so glad to do this. Um, You're one of my favorite educated perverts on social media, (laughs) so... You know, when you like, you see someone's work or you like the stuff that they say, and you're like, oh, I feel comfortable with that person.
1: Yes. That's why I, I'm super stoked to finally kind of sit down and have a conversation with you because, you know, I, I, you know, let me just give you a little bit of a compliment. And I'm not just saying this, um, you know, your work has been really important to me, but also to a lot of the people I work with. And so um, I send a lot of clients, especially those that are. Sex workers or individuals looking for a certain kind of like uh, sexual empowerment or honesty to your to your page and your work. So thank you for everything you're doing.
0: Oh, holy crap! That is so wonderful to hear. 100. Okay. Thank you too. Um, so we're going to talk about queering up sex. You wrote a couple of books, two so far. Two. Okay. Are you working on another, or is that an annoying question?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny whenever someone says that they're like two, and it always sounds like they're saying that's it. And I'm like, that was a lot. Yeah. a lot. (laughs) It feels like so much because I take years to write them. So I'm writing my next book, but what's kind of funny about what my interests are now, it ties to what we're going to talk about today, because I really think the field needs to go towards queering in, in a larger use of that term, sex and sexuality and sex education. And I just don't feel like there's a lot of resources out there. So that's kind of what the book is about. But, um, the, the audience isn't that big for it. So publishers are a little eh. But um, yes, I am working on the next one. And uh, it's very queer.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I So I think both of you and I identify this way. Yes. These ways. Okay. And I'm sure there's probably different ways that we would describe that. And we'll get into that. Um, I will use a really quick example where... So I tend to mostly fuck hetero men um there's like more of them they find me more easily um
1: there's probably like (laughs) there's more of them that's right
0: (laughs) i mean there's just like more of them that are more likely to approach me in my environments um but so i was having the sex having some of the sex yesterday and we were doing this thing i've never done before and i'm going to try to describe it so okay i'm on top um i would say like missionary but i'm on top but Dick was not inside me. We were like um <sighs> stroking him, but also against me. So I realized why it felt so good. It was like my clitoris and the tip of his dick kept like f- like just friction rubbing. Yeah. So it basically felt like scissoring kind of, but like with a bigger phallus, and it felt very connective and very intense. And I was like, oh, I said, Do you feel that? He's like, Yeah. I said, I don't think I've ever done it like this before. And I said, I don't like this feels so intense. Oh, our clits are touching, like our dicks are touching. And it just, it felt like a very not straight way to fuck.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And like, you just, you just put into, um, like you just gave a template for what I I believe better, healthier, uh, more evolved sex is about like pleasure. And, and that sounds so basic, but Mm -hmm. The clients I work with, the people I talk to, even those that know better, still center, you know, penetrative things. And so I love your you know, it's like the willingness to stumble upon,
0: yeah, totally, and we're just playing, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you get it. So, um, everybody, I didn't mention this, but everyone can find Dr. Chris Donahue on dot com his name dot com and on Instagram at Dr. Donahue. um okay, so what? are some of the just like big stereotypes that come up that you can think of in the bedroom?
1: There's so many. You know, I think the the most important work I do clinically or even with my social media um, is just helping people unlearn what they've already, you know, been socialized with or internalized. And and kind of going back to the words you were throwing out there with your experience, I thought was such a beautiful example is like play, fun. I find myself saying that a lot in of my office. Lovingly, wow, that doesn't even sound fun, you know. Wow, that doesn't even sound pleasurable. You all sound so focused on getting somewhere or trying to do something or trying to like finish, complete, really do, you know. And we we get so lost in that. And so um, the work the work I try to do in my office is like pushing on those boundaries, which is like a way of working on ourselves and our relationship, and just throwing out the expectations that we have um, upon what sex should be about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about, this is coming up, this has to come up. Um, uh, Let's talk about porn and how yeah. it can, let's talk about, yeah, really, I mean, I think we're mature enough and the audience is mature enough to, in this container, talk about the, the harms that can come from performative sex, porn, people that are trying to look a certain way because they think if they look that way, maybe it'll feel better, I think is yeah. what's happening.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said about the frame around porn, because I'm one of those people where I get asked to talk about porn a lot. And my my gold standard has been, I, I won't talk negatively about it. There's a lot of that out there. And I want to be one of those people that talks positively, but I'm with you. Like this is that safe mm-hmm. place where we can kind of explore that. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, when we go back to childhood, our first experience of sexuality, if if we're leaving, you know, assault and other traumatic uh, experiences outside, which I appreciate for a lot of people can't be done because that is their story. Mm-hmm. But Um, masturbation, right? Sex with ourselves. And it's like, do it quick, do it fast. Don't let anyone know. Mm -hmm. And we grow up with sex or our sexual desire being the only part of us that is never mirrored back. And so there's so much shame in it. And that's why I love doing sex therapy, because that entry point into someone's life helps me learn everything about them, which is also a side note. why I tell people have sex as soon as possible if you're trying to date And court and get to, you know, explore if someone's a match for you because in our sexuality is our body esteem, our sex esteem, communication issues, our boundary work, um, you know, our gender stuff, which is like so traumatic, our gender training and, you know, um, our, our, our race is in there. Like it's all in there. And so I love entering from that perspective, but porn, God bless it, is a needed powerful counterbalance for our messed up sex phobic world. But like, let it be what it is. It's fun. It's entertainment. It's arousal. Yes, you can learn some amazing things, but like it can't be the end all be all. We need resources outside of that. Right. It has to be a part of, and I'm trying to funnel more and more people towards watching um, maybe more female gays, feminist porn or queer porn that has like, you know, someone who's a male's entire body utilized, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're doing things that are non penetrative, and we're actually focusing on the experience. And it, it's such a different model. So, you know, I think porn plays such an important role in our culture. Uh, but I think we put too many expectations upon it.
0: Oh, totally. So here's one thing that came up. And I actually I, I shared this with the person that I just started fucking that I'm super into. I'm not going to, like talk about it too much i swear um but i was in the dressing room at the club at one of the clubs i work uh the other day and out of nowhere this young lady said um and people are allowed to have preferences but she said you know what i think is really weird when men like their nipples licked
1: bam there it is there it is right
0: and i'm just like and luckily me and the other um there's like two other dancers in there and we were a bit older than her so maybe we're just wiser but or who knows but both of us just didn't really say anything (laughs)
1: Um, those are the moments though, because like, you know, it's maybe to even some of the listeners, I'm sure your listeners are, you know, a little more, you know, sex positive whatnot, but like, um, that when we have sex with someone, let me say it like this. The one thing I'm trying to get out there this year is like kindness and compassion and the recognition that sex is never neutral. Right. Mm. And even if it's with someone whose name you don't know, and you're never going to see them again. Um, still take the, still have ethics, still still consider how you impact someone, right? And we have so much sexual healing to do that when we gift someone our sexual body, our sexual presence, our sexuality, like take that seriously. Again, even if you're never going to see them again, because they're not a trick or a hookup, they're a person, right? Mm-hmm. And those statements like, oh, that's weird. Although it sounds to some people like, oh, that's not a big deal, that's so minor. It is a big deal. And it's mm-hmm. an accumulation of, Of just again, policing what people can do and what parts of their bodies can be engaged in sex, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And shaming, I think like it's, we didn't really speak specifically to it, but I think what is coming up with the men's nipples thing is like misogyny. Like men aren't supposed to like feel tenderness or, you know, like are nipples a woman thing? And like, no, obviously not. And the best sex I have is when. I realize that I am not following on those stereotypes. Sometimes I'm playing with them, you know, like leaning into them. Like let's play the role of like I'm the helpless little femme and like you're going to spread my pussy or whatever. But other times it's like completely not that, like the example I gave earlier. So dynamic switching can be fun.
1: And I need to have that. Like Mm -hmm. for my sex life, I'm at a place where I can no longer – Um, have sex with people that can't participate in the kinds of things we're talking about because I'm really powerfully trying to do my own work and I realize that for my own healing, I need mirrored back like better or more acceptance around sex. And it's very gendered. Like sex with a woman versus sex with a man is very, very different. And it really gives birth to a whole different set of uh, policing but like, I'm one of those people, maybe I want your listeners to take this with them forward, like, take those moments serious, seriously, and try to have moments of healing, um, mm-hmm. self and other and, um call those moments out. Like don't let those moments fester and exist because I work with a lot of people that are in long-term relationships where there's a lot of that going on. You know, penis shaming, like you said, certain parts Mm. of the body misogynistically being determined for this gender or that gender. And I want sex to be more, to have more of a healing capacity. And we really shame hookup culture, but I think that that's a place where all this can really happen most powerfully. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Even if you said something earlier, like they're not a trick or a hookup, even if they are, you don't have to be enjoying it, but you can still have ethics.
1: Right. And I think we use those words to dehumanize or distance as though you know, if they fulfill that role or we can apply that label to them, then we no longer have accountability. And it's like, no, you do
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, I think applying labels or being um, denigrating of tricks or hookups c- can come from a place of like lived experience with trauma, you know, yeah. if tr- tricks or hookups have been like harmful to us. so overall when i'm when I'm working any kind of sex, if I have clients that are men, women, a gender, I can't tell, you know, um, whatever they share with me, but like I just approach their body with curiosity and and, and watching for feedback. And I, I will ask things like, do you mind if I touch your ears or your hair?" because some of these you know spots are really tender for people. but I've noticed that um, when people ask me like oh do you prefer masculine or feminine partners? It's like I really I don't prefer. I just kind of approach and then I apply in a way that seems to make sense. And this is how the creativity comes up. And then people can be surprised like, oh, no one's ever touched my nipples before. Or a man being like, wow, the low of my back hasn't been held like that,
1: you know? I like how you threw in that caveat earlier. Unless you're looking to use those gender roles for, for play and, and, and arouse and whatnot, yes, the minute, the minute we make those distinctions, the limits get applied. And through having sex with people that are agender or trans, and learning to ask questions about how do you refer to your um anatomy right like Mm -hmm. do we call that a penis is that a clit um Mm -hmm. front hole vagina like really 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 helped me expand upon all of that and i realized how much work I still had to do, right? Like I like to think that I am so much further ahead than everyone. And in some <laughs> ways I think I can be, but then there's times where I'm like, "Whoa, what a powerful learning moment." Like I just heard what came out of my mouth or I moved someone's hand. But again, like my my you had put this in in, in the question for today's show and it was mm-hmm. like, "My own journey with sexual exploration was one where when I initially started dating women, no one had ever said to me, hey, have you ever tried being with a dude? And then when I started having sex with dudes, no one in that world ever said, hey, when's the last time you had sex with a woman? And so I always felt trapped in an either or until I found more of a queerness and a queer space and started having sex with trans individuals. And that's when like my liberatory work started happening. This was before I even got into the field. Um And so that was like really healing and important and educational for me. But even moving forward, I have these moments every now and then where I'm like, bam, that's where some of that work is. Like, why did I not let that person touch me there? Why am I limiting? Mm. But I'll tell you one thing, because I feel like I'm rambling. One thing I learned is that I don't commit to anything. And what I mean by that is some people, if it's going to be a more casual sexual scenario, have expectations or goals. I always say... I have no idea what I'm going to feel. I'm open to hanging or hooking up or fucking, but like I have to see where I feel I need to go, right? Like I can't commit Hmm. to being a top, a bottom, a (laughs) dom, a sub. I can't commit to penetration. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to like hold space for (laughs) a more honest moment.
0: I'm laughing because somebody asked me last night. I didn't ask me anything on Instagram. And I was like, ask me anything about sexuality.
1: Oh, that's dangerous.
0: Somebody asked me, what do I want more people who have sex with me to know, like more of my oh, own partners to know? Okay. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And the first thing that came up for me was like, I have a lot of range. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love that. I have that. Right? I contain multitudes.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I'm. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a brag, but it's like, I realize I'm, I like a lot of different things entirely opposite of each other and I can switch from them very quickly. So show me what you're interested in. Let's go.
1: Well, right, and I and 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 for me, I <clears throat> a lot. Okay, so this is actually kind of funny. So when I when I meet some people professionally in person, one of the things I used to hear all the time is, "Wow, you're a lot nicer than I thought you were." And I was like, "Damn, I might be, I must be coming off really hard on my social media." Same. But, <clears throat> okay, and I'm always like, "No, I'm a really sweet person, I swear." But Same. sexually, a lot of people always expect me to be this assertive, dom top. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. And I'm, I'm tired.
1: Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm topping everyone at the office all day long as a therapist, you know what I mean? And maybe in my life, but please stop assuming that anyone that is, uh, please stop assuming that cis hetero guys are all tops first off, because mm. they're not, depending on how we're using that word, mm-hmm. they're not. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're passive, they're sub and, and, and a lot of cis hetero women automatically assume the role, like he's going to mm-hmm. be the doc, the top, no. And and that gets projected on me all the time where I'm often expected to not have vulnerability or softness. And if mm-hmm. I want to be more passive, that can really disturb and disrupt a lot of people.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I am guilty of that. That's one of those things that I've found for myself where I'm like, oh, uh, this this person I'm interested in, they must, like, I assume they're assertive dominant and then absolutely not. So now I'm relearning like how to top and calm the fuck down and lead when I'm not doing it at work, cause yeah, I'm tired. I just talked to Domina Franco about this. And mm-hmm. she said, she's like, I believe, and in my experience, she said most people do kink and BDSM submission when they're, they want to finally be able to release. Yep. I was
1: like, yes. There's the moment. So,
0: yep. So the question that you, you brought up, thank you earlier that I had definitely wanted to ask you was, so today, how does your own orientation or sexuality inform your work? Do you think? Yeah,
1: the first question is also like, how do I even identify? That is such a fascinating and very important thing to me because my my history, my journey, my story is one of a lot of sexuality with a lot of different kind of gender presentations and bodies. And that's important to me. And I, I think I try to hold on to that because hey, it's important to me. And it's maybe who I am. And it also directs my work, but also because I think there's something activistic and revolutionary in us acknowledging like fluidity. And so My own fluidity shows up in my work. And it's important. So, okay, I'm going to say something kind of controversial. I think people that are in our work, I think um, the more fluid and the more experience and the more sexual developmental milestones we've hit, I think the better we can often be.
0: Oh, and, yeah.
1: And I've been challenged by when I said that because some people who haven't gone on that journey, you know, it was hard for them to hear. And I said, You want to understand the depths. You want to be doing your work, which means I'm always pushing on my edges. I'm always saying, Why not? Or what's holding me back? Or what am I not willing to confront in myself that this moment is asking of me? Right. Because I don't want to back away. And so I'm always trying to kind of lean in. So, how does that inform my work, my orientation? Um, I see the beauty and I see the strength in creative ways of being sexually. I see the beauty, strength, and value in diversity. I see the beauty, strength, and value in using our sexuality and our sex lives as an entry point to work on our total psychological self. Mm. I, you know, people will say, "Oh, Dr. Chris is a sex therapist. You must do therapy on sex." And I say, sometimes, but I also use sex therapeutically, and that is often not the case for most therapists or sex therapists, or even people in the field. And then that becomes the question, like, how do you use sex therapeutically? So many different ways, but I think that that's a missing part of a lot of these conversations. It's not just like fixing, but how do we use our sex lives to evolve?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart. Oh, you just said so many things. I I knew we should have met sooner
1: <laughs> to talk. <laughs> We've known of each other for a long right. time. Right. We've now. been
0: pinging each other's shit for that's years. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. So, but I'm so glad we get to do this. Um, Okay. So let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to read some listener responses from people. When I asked them what sexual scripts or norms have been harmful to you. We'll be right back. Oh, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite listening app. So more people can find us. Ioba toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh my G and the Oh my C the Oh my G is a G spot massager with three intensity levels a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net. Or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to the Talk Sex podcast. I'm talking to Dr. Chris Donahue. His website is his name, and so is his Instagram. You've never been kicked off social media for anything, right? <sighs>
1: I, I am a white, uh, a white CIS
0: man. Of course not. I loved I love asking my guests this, like how many times you've been deactivated? Um, oh, oh, asked- I've
1: seen yours. I've seen that happen to you. I follow your journey. I <gasps> you. All of Thank it. you.
0: I sh- just like so much love and gratitude. And I still think about this to my followers who actually demanded of Instagram. They're like, bring her back. <laughs> she didn't do anything wrong. Actually didn't. um, I asked Trip Richards, this triple X trans man, if he had ever been deactivated. And he was like, no, not yet. And then a week later he did. And then luckily enough, or however it worked out, a lot of people advocated for him to come back too, and he was reinstated.
1: Well, what hurts my soul is, is not just that, like some people use their social media for, you know, their labor and marketing and, you know, but also because like, (sighs) there's more to it than just that. Like, uh, you know, things I see you post, you put your heart and soul and your time Mm. into some of those educational posts. And it's like, so it's also an erasure of just that. Um, Mm. It's not just like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Elle can rebuild it. It's like, well, wait a minute, hold on. There's a lot more in there than that. But no, I haven't been kicked off yet. And it hurts me because I've seen literally someone post something that might as well have been the same thing I posted and they get, flagged or kicked off and mine's you know riding fine i'm like oh mm-hmm. there it is. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's nice that we can recognize our privilege <laughs> yeah i mean there's blind spots all over the place but uh we're getting more aware of i think how social media uh, censorship impacts certain people in different ways all right so i asked the audience what are some sexual scripts or norms that have been harmful to you and we of course are talking about queering up sex That fat women are easier because they're not used to being
1: wanted. Uh, Yeah. Mm. Want any, any, yeah, the scripts around people that are larger body fat, fat identified, um, There's so much work to do around that. Oh my God. I feel that one and like penis shaming is one that like I see you also trying to chisel away at, but um, Mm -hmm. wait, what was their question though? We're just talking about general scripts that are down. Yeah.
0: We're just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, These aren't questions yet. We're just coming up. And
1: I was, I was looking at, I I don't remember who, um, I'm always looking at a lot of things, reading a lot of things, writing a lot of things, but someone was talking a lot about how what's really a bummer and unfortunate is that we fetishize so much. But because a lot of what we fetishize has been normalized, and we're familiar seeing it, we don't see it as such. And then when someone is desirous or eroticizes larger and fat bodies, we we happily squeeze that in the fetish box, and as so though there's no way that that can exist um, mm-hmm. on any you know healthy level. And that's kind of where queer comes in, right? Like queering sex. I said this at a lecture. It was many years ago. And I said, maybe out of context a little bit, I said, start having sex with people you're not attracted to. And everyone in the audience kind of like made a weird face. And I meant it and didn't mean it. Like there was a lot more to it. But I was basically saying like, It's the the rare person who really knows their true sexuality. It's the rare person because we have to work through sexual trauma. We have to work through our gender training. We have to work through classism, racism, body shaming. We have to work through slut phobia. We have to work through these things that we call sex addiction. There's so much to work through that like it's the rare person that gets there right and so my, my whole comment was just about you are bigger sexually than you realize your arousal template all the things that turn you on people places things sounds smells scenarios is far bigger than what you could even explain mm. and i do believe that there's a space in there for someone who's fatter or larger bodied in all of us and all these other things that we tend to think are you know fetishized or not real or whatever it is and i think we have to like push towards to be able to connect and find that because my sexual journey through other people that I was interested in folding in things that objectively I would have said I wasn't, I realized I was. And through watching porn that somehow segued in to other things that I would never have thought I realized again, I was. I just had to be there. I had to be open to it. And so there's people that are still probably saying hardline no to certain things. I don't buy it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree with all of that too. I've definitely pushed myself in some ways where I'm like, Oh, I can like that a little bit. I don't have to right. love it or right. do it all the time, but right. I feel more expansive. Right. So, and that's what I
1: love about eroticism. We can literally eroticize anything. That's true. That is actually
0: anything. really true. And that's so fun too. I'm thinking of like a kitchen spoon right now. <laughs> um, okay. So more scripts. Uh, someone says, there's a lot of these. I'm just having a hard time. Like, okay. Oh, that you should only have sex with one person ever. That led me to stay with my abuser until I was 18. Um, Waiting for the right person. Mm -hmm. That was totally BS. That someone, whether it's me or my partner, must come for the sexual Mm -hmm. encounter to end.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, let me throw another one. If this isn't in there, this one comes in a lot. That if you're really serious about a relationship, uh, delay sex as long as possible. Oh
0: yeah, yes, yeah. Because it's actually the
1: opposite. People that are like, "Let's fuck as soon as possible" are actually even more serious about commitment and relationship, and they realize the value of that level of interest compatibility and chemistry, and so they want to assess it as soon as possible.
0: Really, 100%. I love hearing that. Oh, I love 100%. hearing that.
1: Because think about it. That same person who says that script will say something like, "We should go on non-sexual dates." Cool. So, how much do you really learn about someone from the first three to five coffee dates or dinner dates? You learn, you know, whether or not they like Game of Thrones. You learn their favorite band.
0: Like <laughs> where they went to school. Things,
1: where they went to school. If their parents like, are still together. <laughs> there you go. But it's like when you have sex with someone. Again, you learn their body esteem, their 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 boundaries. How much their intimacy they can tolerate. Their insecurities what kind of scripts they're they're tied to. Like mm-hmm. you learn more. And if after sex you're still interested in getting to know more about them, I trust that more than the inverse. Because some people don't understand that I just want to fuck this person and I have no other interest. And they have to fuck to realize whether or not there's an interest in going deeper or further. And so I say like have sex sooner than later. And the people that are doing that are are often more serious. They can be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can see that. I've definitely, yep. I can definitely see that. Uh, let's see. Okay. Being assumed that as a girl, I am a bottom. Mm. That's what you said earlier. Um, I thought that orgasms came from vaginal penetration.
1: That's another one that we still got to keep talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. Someone says, I believed that STIs make you undesirable. Mm -hmm. I kind of wear my little like My little STI badges with like, I told, you know, I say this to anybody and this was right when we were about to get down. I was like, oh, we didn't have this conversation, but I have um, HSV-1 and I get like one outbreak a year and then I've had chlamydia once, but it was five years ago. And then I've had HPV a few years ago and they're just like, okay, cool. And they're like, I have blah, blah, whatever, you know, like, okay, cool.
1: Hot. (laughs) Well, what, 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 what's, what's, okay. So that was beautiful. And what bums me out, and tell me if you've had this experience where you've uh, confidently and also compassionately, right? Because in you disclosing that, it's not just your confidence, it's also your awareness that like, you know, I'm interacting with someone else, that you've probably been shamed for it. And what Mm -hmm. is such a kicker about that is that we, we all have work within that. We all maybe have things to disclose. And the work is about what? More comfort, more confidence, more comfort, more comfort in that. And like, mm-hmm. yet we, we still haven't been able to do that piece. I feel like that piece is such a huge piece.
0: Mm-hmm. Oop! Here's another one. The male is always dominant while the female is submissive. Nope.
1: Mm-hmm. I hate that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's really gotten in the way of some good times. Uh, someone says putting male needs first or not saying no. Uh, someone else says, I believed that your first time isn't supposed to be great. Which, I mean, I wouldn't expect it to be great, but some people have a nice time. <laughs> Mine
1: was very yeah, neutral. Think, yeah. I was going to say, as I heard that, I thought, I think my first like seven times were just what is happening right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying um, to figure it out.
0: I was having <laughs> PIV since I was like 14, 15. And I realized I, I didn't enjoy penetration until I was like 20.
1: And yeah, they, there's so it, much in yeah, that. Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget this. Um, I, a lot of my early sexual experiences took place in uh, cemeteries because as a kid, we didn't have a lot of places to go. So we <laughs> sex in cemeteries, which, you know, again, made sense because I was very, very goth back then. So, you know, cure yeah. Susie and the Banshees or Inch Nails in the background <laughs> fucking in the cemetery. But I'll never forget one of my first PBI experiences with a woman. Um, I, I, I accidentally, because we were, you know, when you're younger, sex often isn't confident lights on where we can see each other and, Mm -hmm. and talk about things. So instead it was like dark, awkward clothing, kind of on clothing, kind of, off. and I kept, I kept putting, trying to put it in her butt
0: because I didn't
1: understand where, how, how the anatomy worked and there wasn't any guidance from anywhere or, or her. And and I couldn't see anything and awkward.
0: Hmm. Oh my God. Uh, I laughed because I recently was asked if I'd ever had sex in a cemetery. Cemetery, and I said no. And my friend was surprised because most of my friends, I feel like they have for the same reasons.
1: It's it, it's it's such <laughs> it's such a high school thing.
0: Yeah. Um. So that brings me to I want to say this real quick, and then we'll do the listener questions. Okay. Um. I think more people need to consider that it is their. If they are safe enough and they feel they are safe enough, it's the responsibility to kind of learn how to ask for things. And that can be really, really hard. And we can give some tips about how to do that cool. in the listener questions. But I definitely, you know, realize that if I want something done, I'm either going to do it myself or I'm going to say, hey, actually, can I show you how it feels good? <laughs>
1: Which, which, you know, again, it's like if that uh, that's such a good dating tip in general too. we focus so much on just wanting to be liked that we're always focused on like other and we don't always stop and say like, hey, let's just be known and maybe what do I want? Because again, that still comes up in my sex life where I'm still sometimes just focused so much on other. I'm not like thinking about what do I want? Where would I like to be touched? What would feel good for me? And so I think that that's like important just to work as an adult in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, here we go. So. It's listener question time. Listener question number one is, do you have any tips for talking dirty during sex without having to tell them what to say? So this is related.
1: Uh, Do I have any tips for talking dirty? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I always say is I'm always trying to bring people back. And again, this is probably me being a little bit of a therapist in there too, because I'm always thinking of everything in terms of like, how can it be a transformative intervention and not just an answer? But (laughs) (laughs) talking, talking honestly about what you like or what you're seeing. Like I think when some people Mm -hmm. think about dirty talk, they think they have to construct a fantasy or they have to, I feel like they think they have to construct something. They have to go big or Bring unrelated things in. And it's like, no, a lot of good, dirty talk is just rooted in what's in the here and now with us, between us, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, right. And, and so, I mean, and again, I'm starting to kind of talk about myself, but that's what I enjoy the most when they're like talking about what they're looking at, where they're touching me and how it feels in their mouth or feels in their hand or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be big, dramatic, over the top. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually simplicity.
0: I realize I do that. Yeah. I'll say something like, um, you look so good going in like in and out of me or like, can you see this? Can you feel that? Do you feel me clenching? Um, put your hand here, see how wet I am or whatever. Yeah. What are you
1: seeing? What are you feeling? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Just like stay in the moment. It's simplicity. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about the turn of phrase dirty talk? I'm like, Oh, it's sex negative. (laughs)
1: i don't know what else to call it though i i remember someone said once uh on social media like get your head out of the gutter and i felt the need to swoop in and say something stupid like you mean get your head out of a really healthy appropriate you know beautiful place like some weird defensive i mean yeah i don't know i think some people like the taboo of the word dirty in there because it's got a charge and so it's arousing to them but you're right Mm -hmm. it, it, it has some sex negativity to it as well um
0: but the gutter can be a fun place to play in,
1: definitely. Amen. So. Amen. <laughs> or, or, or a cemetery.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? That'll be on my to-do for the rest of the year. Okay. I need to... <laughs> cemetery fuck time. I gave a blowjob in a Catholic um, church area that was like set up for Christmas, and there was actually a bunch of families around. Nobody saw me, and it wasn't a completion, but that's the closest I got. It's pretty, um, it's pretty, it's, that's, that's kind of almost better. Does that almost count? That's almost better. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: without, so the second part of the question was, um, without having to tell them what to say, they might just start mimicking you, you know? Like when you start doing something you show by leading, other people are more likely to open up and know and feel that that's safer.
1: Yeah. Because again, most of us been socialized to not think we can vocalize. Like most people don't let their bodies or their mouths make noises, period. Even when we're not trying to do quote unquote dirty talk, like a lot of people, they're always holding their bodies like still. They don't let themselves like thrash around or, or moan or vocalize. So I think it's, I think, yes, what you just said is important, right? Do, you know, show them, right? Create that safe space. I think it's okay to also have a conversation about the acceptability of it. Um, I'll sometimes do it kind of based on what you said and I said, where I'll share with them something like, oh, I'm working on having more authentic sex, you know, as we're on our way to the bedroom or talking online or whatever's happening. And they'll say, oh, what does that mean? I'll say, oh, I'm letting my body move where it wants to move. I'm letting myself say what I want to say. And I remember when I started naturally allowing what later I realized were full body orgasms, which is rare for a man to even acknowledge. Um, Mm. that was part of that. I was not, I realized I was clenching a lot of, a lot of us clench and Mm. a lot of men just think that sex is about their penis. And a lot of men, um, don't have a lot of fluidity in their hips and so sex is very rigid. It's just a lot of like thrusting and the way they masturbate is very rigid. There's not a lot of movement fluidity. So the more I was trying to bring fluidity into my solo sex life, my partner sex life, and move around, I started to feel orgasm moving up in my body because I was like opening. And so I think Hell it yeah. all ties in. It's just about opening. It's about just letting go.
0: Mm-hmm. Being receptive. What yeah. is the, Dr. Raz shava wrote a book and it's called The Deep Yes lost Hmm. art of true receiving okay so it i admittedly have not read it i have looked through it (laughs) but i love her and she trained me quite a bit but she's talked about this before where she's like a lot of people are holding a lot of tension and you really have to kind of relax and we aren't good at being receptive without shame or guilt in this society. She likened it to, even if someone's giving like a back rub, a lot of people have a hard time relaxing and receiving it. Yes. Yeah.
1: I noticed that. And I think as a man, I've been trained uh, especially sexually to always give like always, I'm always feeling like I'm giving and it's hard for a lot of us Mm -hmm. men to just allow, let go and receive um, so I think that book would be powerful for, for that as well. And just also looking at like how our solo sex lives, what might that be reinforcing? Because I also realized that, again, penis owners tend to just hold their entire body still and just move their hand, right? Mm. But then when we shift into partnered sex, it requires a little more activity and fluidity, and that's not always available, And so I think there's something in all of that. I mean, we could talk about all that another time, but I think there's something in all that, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely more men could touch their own bodies when they're masturbating, like their legs or their inner thighs, you know, their feet, their like bellies, whatever. Um, I actually do a webcam one-to-one with a couple of men who like, that was their goal. They're like, I want to be more full body aware. Mm -hmm. So we did some mirroring. They were like, can we do this thing where... We touch ourselves, like we, you know, the man's like, I'm gonna touch my body and you do the same on your body because it'll make me feel really safe if you're mimicking me, which was fascinating. And it went really well. But I've done that with a few people.
1: But but I but I love, I love again what therapeutically is instilled in what you just said, which is like we need mirroring to reduce shame, to then like internalize, make it our own, and then maybe take it to another partner. But what happens between that person you worked with and their next partner undoes that or reinforces that. And that's why I'm always saying, like try to start finding healthier partners or try to start trying to trigger in all of the partners, a healthier level of sexuality and try to be more authentic. Like there's something very liberatory in that. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm.
0: So listener question two, how can we diversify our sexualities while in a monogamous relationship?
1: So many ways, so many ways. I always, you know, whenever I get asked questions like that, like how do we spice it up in the bedroom? I always say to them, don't always think in the dramatics because we always automatically go to the mm-hmm. dramatics. Although I do like that, I will say to some couples, um, wander around a, a sex boutique or online and whatever you felt, whatever you feel drawn to or you've never seen you're curious about, try it. But generally my answer is the simple things. Um, it's the where, when, why, how, and looking at all the senses. Like again... <laughs> Most of us have a pattern, right? Where we'll we'll do step one, step two, step three, step four. It's a really boring dance. Like first I'll kiss her, then I'll touch her <laughs> boobs, then I put my hand on her vagina, then I go down on <laughs> her, then I put my penis in her. And I'm like, wow, that sounded as boring as it probably is after the 75th time, right? Yeah. So I always say stop with the step one, step two, step three, number one. I also um, say, And I say this very lovingly as a challenge. I say, if you know what all girls want or what all guys like, then you don't because everyone's different. Like, we Mm. have to step into every interaction saying, I don't know who this person is sexually, and I have to find out. I don't know who I am when I'm with them. I have to find out who I am with them. Like, that's honest sexuality, right? And that's why I was saying earlier, I don't promise anything. Like, I'll see how I feel when we're there, when we're in it. Like, I don't know who I'm going to be. Even with the same partner, like, who are we today, right? Mm-hmm. Based on a thousand factors, right? So start simple. Change up. If, if you start with step number three and then step number one, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Places and, and times. Bring in the senses. What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Stop Stop holding your body so tense. Let body fluids erupt. Move your body around. If you keep the lights off, raise them up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you always have sex in positions where you can't make eye contact, start there. Start Mm -hmm. by having sex with eye contact. Oh, you're going down on someone? Look up while you're doing it. Look down at them. You know what I mean? Like have sex in positions where you can see each other. It's these small little tweaks that matter.
0: I know uh, a pair that they've been um, or they have been having sex with each other for like 15 years. Um, They've been together or monogamish, swingy a little bit at the time. Mm -hmm. But one of them suggested – like something like, oh, how about for a month we don't have sex in the bed? Beautiful. Right. Because they've shared a house for so long. So <laughs> apparently it went really well.
1: But that I mean, that's the thing. Like it's the little changes. I, you know, I'm in a relationship with someone and they live in another country. So that inherently builds in a little bit of space and distance so that when <laughs> we are together, there's inherently a little novelty. But, you know, we were we we stayed. And again, you don't need all this but we happened to stay for a few nights down at the beach and we had, we were gifted with a hotel room that had like a balcony. So we were like, let's have sex on the balcony. Let's, let's, (laughs) let's, let's, let's make out while we're walking around in the sand. Like it's, it's the small, like little things. And for me, I'm always about when I have a thought or I have an impulse, I'm always about like unpacking that and trying to bring it in. Right. Right. Um, because mm-hmm. it's all about that newness and that novelty. That's really all that sexual arousal is. Like the newer and novel the thing can be, and it takes small tweaks, the, the impact is going to be great.
0: Mm-hmm. So listener question three, I need help as a woman using toys with my male partners to ensure our mutual satisfaction. Well, I'm going to awesome. tell you, you can't ensure anything, but that's right. a great place to start. Yeah. Um. Something I want to point out really quick. My first advice is always... Mm, For me, it's I tend to if I'm using toys with someone, it probably means I'm in a semi-selective ongoing sexual experience with them. So I don't worry as much about transmitting
1: STIs. Wait, wait, wait. Say that framework again. You're in a semi-selective relationship. (laughs) I don't want to say monogamous.
0: It means it it means I'm leaning towards I don't like the term fluid bonded. Right. But if I'm sharing toys with someone, it's because I'm not worried about our body fluids. Got it. But what I want to say is like you can use the same toy on you and them. Just use it differently a lot of the time. So like if I'm using my uh, my Crave vibrator, my Love Crave, it's the little Vesper. It looks like a necklace. This is like obvious promo here. But I this is an example. It's small. (laughs) it's super easy to use. If I'm vibrating myself while we're doing things, I can put it in my hand and like hold it against the base of their dick or their balls and it'll vibrate them. You know, a lot of people can't share sex toys. If it's like a one night stand or something, you might have. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure
1: where this, I I didn't understand if the question was was really asking or yeah. yeah. So I was kind of going on this journey with you. Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, number one, like sex toys, yay. Like, just get, get into that. Like that is such a interesting world. And as we were saying earlier, realizing that, you know, our entire body's an erogenous zone. That's why I hate that whole concept. Our whole body, like literally our whole body's innervated, innervated. Mm -hmm. Like we can feel, like put a vibrator on any part of my body, put a lotion on any part of my body, massage any part, like our whole bodies. And I think toys sometimes are a good uh, bridge to using our hands and mouths on other parts of our body. Somehow for some, especially a lot of hetero-identified men that are afraid of you know, something to mm-hmm. them that feels like gay sex or something that straight men don't do, sometimes a toy is a little depersonalized or objectified and allows a little more safety if someone puts maybe a vibrator on their anal area versus like a tongue or finger that feels invasive. So I like toys as like a, a building comfort Cause it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a detachment, but yeah, you're right. Like throw condoms over them, clean them. Um, but like use them. We, we, mm-hmm. we need more of that. Don't hide mm-hmm. them. Leave them out. Hmm. Wash them. They get dusty. Wash
0: them. <laughs> um, something I noticed working in porn shops for four years altogether is a lot of people that are new to toys are more likely to want to go for a small one first because a bigger one just feels more intimidating. So if you're unsure, I often say you could try with a smaller toy or simpler toy.
1: And and wouldn't you agree um, that spend the money because like sometimes it yeah. does matter, higher quality yeah. motors and materials. Because I see yes. people get these janky things and the motors aren't good or they break or you know, I right. I was working um, a lot with a company, so I'm not going to throw names out right now because I'm not working with anyone. And mm-hmm. you know, they had this really great toy for people that are you know, penis prostate owners, and one motor had a different speed and setting for the prostate stimulation because one part went in, one part was under the balls, and the ball one had a different motor and speed. And it's like, those things can be important and the angles can matter. And so, you know, again if you have the ability to spend some of that money, do, it does matter. But if not, even those little cheapies when used right can, can work.
0: Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to explore sometimes, yeah. but if you're going to invest in a good toy, do your research. And that means like, besides like, don't just like read the reviews on their website. Cause they're not going to be necessarily honest, but like, sometimes on social media, just read the comments from people that use the toy, you know? Um. Okay. So we have time for one more of these. Listener question four, how can I create space for my partner and I to calm down from our daily lives to have sex?
1: Oh, I love this because I think this applies to non-sex as well. People in relationships don't honor transitions enough. I think we come in hot to everything. Some of us wake up and hit the ground running. We come home from the office or wherever and we just slam right in. And I talk a lot to my clients about transitions, honoring transitioning into a creative space, after you've gotten home from work, if you want to produce art, transitioning into an erotic space, even just transitioning back into your relationship, if you've been gone all day at work, um, and even as a therapist, I have to transition back out. I, I have a, a ritual I go through to be like, all right, I'm no longer a therapist; like I'm in my life or I'm in my relationship, and it's mm-hmm. it's about transitions, transitions in, transitions out, um, and that's gonna what that looks like is going to be different based on what we're talking about or who the people are, but pay attention and honor that. We can't just like slam our bodies together and then separate. Like this is where some attachment theory comes in. Like Going from a one-person psychological system to a two-person system is a transitional moment neurologically. We have to like honor that. So like build in, build out. Um, I want people to do that in relationships. We take our time courting and working our way in. But then when we're going to end a relationship, we're like, I'm out, you're blocked, I'm not talking anymore. Like we have to also transition to work our way back out.
0: Mm-hmm. And for, like, I think actual, like, practices for some people, this could be something like scheduling more than enough time where you're not going to be interrupted,
1: if you can. Time is if resort. you can. If you can. But ideally, like, don't, you know, there can be great hot sex within, you know, a relationship where you feel safe to do this, where you, like, passionately grab them and blah, blah. But then sometimes, like, transition might be, you know, I'm sitting here working at my laptop your, I don't know, over in the corner painting. And it's like, you can look at them, make eye contact. You can sit in front of them for a minute. You can kiss them and hold their hands and look at them. Like you can transition in, you can transition out. I think we just do hard startups.
0: Mm, Stuff to think about for yeah. sure. Yep. All right. We're going to take another break. Go find him, com. buy his books. You've already found me, probably. Email theytalksexpodcast at protonmail.com. We'll be right back to talk more about queering up sex. Hey there. Do you want to help people and make money doing it? Becoming a coach might be your ticket. The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The coaching guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina me too people with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change as someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness i use momotaro apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection their products also serve urinary tract infections postpartum care issues aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use StripperWriter for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at Oshihana.com. That's MomotaroApotheca.com and Oshihana.com. Welcome back to the They Talk Sex podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Email Dr. Chris Donahue on his website. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Donahue. Okay, so I found this article and I want to get some of your thoughts on it. Um, what does it mean to be hetero flexible on healthline.com? It was, ooh, I actually, okay, this was published November 20th, 2019 medically reviewed by someone with a PhD in LCSW and a CST. So let's see. I like this article because it goes through a lot of definitions. So it says the origin of the term isn't clear, but people started seeing it on the internet in the early 2000s. That's not to say the experience of being quote mostly straight is something new there's a long history of straight people experimenting with and experiencing degrees of attraction to people of the same gender as them what might it look like in practice so a heteroflexible person um heteroflex i'm sorry so heteroflexibility is different for every person who identifies with the term obviously i'm glad they say that uh, for example, a heteroflexible man might find himself attracted to women and non-binary people for the most part, but occasionally attracted to men. He may or may not act on this attraction by having sex with or dating a man he's attracted to. Um, isn't that the same thing as being bisexual? So I like to give some discussions of the terms.
1: So I I always, yeah, I always back away from trying to hammer out perfect definitions because I think there's all, these things are all like constellations, and there's so many different moving pieces and parts. And I, I was part of a project. It's a very long story. But the short, long answer um, is that it was looking at the way people identify. And it was showing that like 56% of millennials and below do not identify as hetero, right? Mm. And that was because they were using these more fluid terms, hetero, flexible, uh, questioning, queer, um, undefined. Uh, like, and, I, and I loved that because I think there's a lot of honesty in that. And I'm seeing more and more people that had traditionally identified as hetero uh, feeling more confident finally acknowledging that it's a little more fluid. And I think we're going to continue to see more of that um, I, I never trust any binary anyway, like I've uh, just mm-hmm. the work I've been doing whenever someone is solidly defining themselves, I always feel like that's rooted in anxiety. And I understand why the ego needs to understand and define itself. But, you know, again, like I said earlier, to work through, you know, toxic masculinity and homophobia and slut shaming and our gender training, no one's going to really get to the true sexual self anyway. But, Heteroflexible, I think, is a really honest, beautiful thing. I think we should all challenge why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. I think there's so much learning in that. And that's why if you think you are a solid heterosexual, try a same-sexed experience. Why not? Find out what you can learn in that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's something really valuable in that. I also understand we still live in a time where... Uh, we still stigmatize a man with a penis and think that that is gay forever. Where we allow women often a little more circularity or fluidity in, in exploration, uh, where well, men again can carry that stigma. But I think heteroflexible is going to be the wave of the future. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, fifty six percent are not. Even when we look at gender, people aren't using male or female anymore. I think we're all going to live in a world of they them. I think it's healthier. I mm-hmm. think to you know accept your diet your assignment at birth. Is a very odd thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started, you know, saying to people like, "I think, I think, I want to do she and they." I, I actually feel way more comfortable that way. Um, I was, you know, a little criticized, and that's totally fine. Uh, but I'm seeing it way, 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 way more, and it makes me smile. And then when Instagram made it
1: an option Beautiful. for
0: people, to, I know I'm like, "This is movement." This because I've fast. always
1: said, "I, I, in theory." Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with he and him. If someone called me they, them, that feels fine as well. But he and him is what I'm most familiar with. However, however, the minute someone diagnoses me as a man and says, well, as a man, you or I would assume that is always repulsive to me because now I feel like I'm being mm-hmm. police and trapped. So like Same. you can call me he and him, but please don't make any assumptions. Please don't call me a man. Yeah. Please don't pull me into your own binary because- none of that is going to apply. None of that is real. And none of that's healthy for me.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, same thing when people are like, you're such a strong woman, Elle. And I'm like, uh. I told my mother this earlier this year. I said, you know, think, I love when you boost me up and send me these loving texts, but could you refer to me as a person? Because I, yeah. I don't like women's groups. I don't feel like I, you know, since I was a kid, I'm like, you remember mom, I didn't want to do a lot of the stuff the girls had to do. So let's, and that's, the, and that's the,
1: and that's a, and that's like a recreation of, of the trauma that we all have when we're assigned something at birth and we're never allowed to have experiences outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I think that's a really horrible thing that we, we do to each other. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to talk about gender, but there's as much difference between women as there are between a man and a woman. But yet we still are obsessed with that like binary piece. So that's kind of where I start pushing back on it. It feels very dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the they, them thing I think is a, is a very healthy evolution. And I think if I was a lot younger and didn't have this many decades of reinforcing the he, him, I could see uh, definitely being more agender or non-binary. But I, I'm just confident right now with where I'm at.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great way to be. So I want to read a few more responses that I found from folks about sexual scripts or norms that harms them. And then we will get some recommendations from you and wrap up. So one script is that sex only occurs in a committed monogamous relationship. <laughs> that having sex on the first date is dangerous. That's how I meet all my partners. Okay, first <laughs> I'm like, it's like, hey, I think there's something to this. Let's fall in love and be together for multiple years. Okay. Um, Thinking about arousal means that you're consenting to everything or being aroused means that you're consenting to everything. Okay. I think I get it. Uh, You're supposed to have sex with your boyfriend if he wants it, even if you don't. Yep. I've experienced that. That if you're in a monogamous relationship, you should always have sex with the other person or you are a bad partner. Uh, sex is over when the partner with the penis has an orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (sighs) So I love, love, love when my male partners just kind of like, I I usually have to tell them like one time, like, Hey, I'm not done. So can you use your hand or whatever? Um, But that moment
1: kills me because it's like, why would I be done? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, there's just such a, a self-centered focus to not acknowledge that there's someone else still there with you. I'll
0: tell you why. Because that's what they're used to.
1: I know. Right. I know. So
0: oh. when a bitch like me comes along, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> slutacular. It's like-
1: horrible though. I, I work with some couples in my practice where after decades of marriage for the first time, and it's usually the female partner is turning to other, saying, "I, I, I have never shared this, but I don't orgasm. I need to." Yeah, and I need more. What? And I look at the other partner, and it's like, "How has this been something you haven't just noticed or cared about or questioned? Like, where are you in this relationship to like the male? It's wild. God,
0: it's so wild. I mean, even when I've had, and they know I've had orgasms throughout our play." Um, when they ejaculate, that still doesn't mean I'm done all of a sudden. So I love it now when it's like people, you know, my partners like learn my body and my needs and my wants and they'll like go get a hand or a vibrator. And it, like someone did this the last time we hooked up where I, he went, we went to get a towel. There was like jizz everywhere. It was super fun. And then I like laid on my back thinking like, fuck, I really want him to finger me right now, but he's probably tired. And then he just like, like went for it. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I said, how did you know?
1: because i'm paying attention because i'm aware. because i'm 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 acknowledging your presence i god yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah. so we have we have a great time um i hope he never hears this episode he's gonna know i'm gushing over him actually no i hope he does because i like you a lot you fucking dingus cis man i know um okay dr chris so thank you for working through all of that with me (laughs) (laughs) You're a great therapist. So what are some sexuality or pleasure resources that you would recommend?
1: And again, I struggle with this one. Um, I think it's so specific and case by case. I I, I almost want to do opposite where I want to say, be very thoughtful about resources that speak in binary terms because i think Mm. queering things and queerness is is healthy and liberatory for everyone because it's about stepping outside of our training and expectations and not trying to be normal just trying to be authentic and honest Um, so i would almost do it do it that way and i also um make sure that your resources are sex positive there's a lot of things that present on the surface, as very sex positive and sexually healthy, but then weave in anti-porn rhetoric or sex addiction terminology. Those are all red flags that this is someone who either hasn't done the work or doesn't really understand sexuality or healthy sexuality when they talk about like sex addiction or anti-porn. Um, so I kind of I, that's that's kind of really where I really want to direct people is more about what to be thoughtful. I I don't know of a resource that I think is is perfect. What are
0: the names of your books again?
1: Oh, yes. My first book is called Sex Outside the Lines. And my second book is called Rebel Love. Sex Outside the Lines is a little more intellectual and academic and research based, where the second one, Rebel Love, is a little more of an easier read. But both of them very much try to challenge and dismantle the norms that we've been raised with. It tries to challenge you to think outside of those lines. Um, It's always, you know, body positive, sex positive. Um, it pushes on your boundaries. It's kind of like going through a few sex therapy sessions. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sex, sex therapy, sexology, sex education, sex positivity is, is needs to talk more about body positivity because how we feel about our vaginas, our penises, the lack thereof, and, and all those other pieces has to kind of be pulled in there more.
0: Mm -hmm, Definitely. So what are any sources that have been helpful for your own learning? Is there anyone that's inspired you along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and again, I, I, I the one whose work I was really a fan of turned out to have some problematic elements. So I would say mm-hmm. what's been really heavy for me is my training. I, I first was kind of birthed into the the sexology world and the sex addiction world. And so when I read David Lay's The Myth of Sex Addiction, which he lovingly kind of takes a jab at me in the beginning of his book, we had not met yet. He didn't realize oh. we were you know, on the same team. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I reached out to him. I was like, "Yo, bro, we are on the same team. You know, you don't have a dog <laughs> me in your book." And he, like, now we're really tight. I think oh, that work was funny. really meaningful because I think we tend to, if if we just are socialized in culture, we tend to skew a little sex negative sex addiction model because um, that's what we're t- constantly fed. You know what I mean? Like you're masturbating too much. Don't have sex too soon. Like all these messy things. So that that work was always really powerful. So was um, Janet Hardy's The Ethical Slut. Like I really mm. needed that book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That yeah. was powerful.
0: Yeah. I got to see them speak once. Do you know Janet personally? I do not. I do. Know.
1: I do. We've we've spoken at uh, events together. Well, not not at the same time, but co-speakers. Um, mm. Really great human being. I got to write um, a blurb for the newest edition of Ethical Slut. And that was just like a deep come <gasps> true. To have my when name did that, that
0: come book. out? Yeah. It came out, I
1: think, right before pandemic. It was like okay. an updated edition. And having my name on that book was just like, yeah. I'm done. I'm done here. <laughs> my work here is done.
0: Be with your idols. Also, um, just to
1: say one more thing, like I also won your an award at a porn award ceremony. And that was actually a very meaningful award to receive from that community.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. As a civilian academic. 100%.
1: I was like, thank you for bringing me into your world. And I was like, "You all inspire me. Truly because I think, you know, and I said this in, I think it was in my first book or maybe the second one. I can't remember which one I I thanked sex workers. And I said, you all have really taught me what strength and authenticity truly looks like. Yeah. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: So I ask every guest and you just gave a ton of tips, but do you have any last sex tips for our audience?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Compassion. And, and that's a strange one. Compassion. Like care for the people you're interacting with on any level. Uh, leave people better off and not just consent, but consent and compassion. Just because someone's interested or open to having sex, still consider the impact it's going to have on them and how you're showing up in that um, hmm. compassion.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having Dr. me. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to go have beautiful sex positive days. Woo. Everyone check out our work. Find me lstanger.com, drchristonohue.com. Please rate and review They Talk Sex podcast on your listening app. And until next time.